This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'd like to welcome everyone to another episode of the Focus Hunting Podcast. Today I'm joined by Greg McHales. Greg's TV show, Yukon Wild, is the essence of extreme backpack hunting. Greg is one of the baddest dudes you'll find in the backcountry on the planet. And if you aren't quite buying into that, by the end of this episode, I think you will. Well, this sucks. Greg, thanks for joining me today. No problem, Kevin. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. So, Greg, maybe before we get going on our our conversation today, you can just give the listeners a, a bit of a rundown on who you are. Well, I I live up in the Yukon, so a little bit further north than you. Just uh, I spend a lot of time, a lot of time in the backcountry, a lot of time hunting, a lot of time flying. So yeah, it, the Yukon is a great place to live, and I produce a television show called Greg McHale's Wild Yukon which we're into season five and that's on the sportsman channel. And, you know, it's, it's kind of all over the world now, which is, which is pretty, uh, pretty neat. Um, YouTube in obviously North America and carbon TV and we're, yeah, we're overseas now. So things are, things are interesting in the hunting world for us uh, yeah, up here in the Yukon at the moment. Yeah, we're going to get into all that uh, in a little bit. But uh, so I'm assuming you grew up in the Yukon? No, actually, I grew up in Ontario. So oh. I, yeah, I. The, uh, the, the Mecca of Canada. Is <laughs> <laughs> it the, the, yeah, the epicenter of it all? Yeah. Uh, no, I grew up in, yeah, in Southern Ontario. It's kind of funny because I grew up in rural, what I would consider farm country, right? You know, a couple hours drive from Toronto, but really it's just a bunch of you know bunch of farm kids few you know small towns here and there but yeah i spent a lot of time on the farm growing up and after university um i moved out to to the yukon my girlfriend at the time and i 
We packed up her car, which was a Plymouth Sundance, and we loaded it with everything we had. And we drove, we told our, told our families we were going to Alberta. Um, and then with the full intention that we were heading to the Yukon, but we didn't want to tell them that because that would have been probably just max overload for, for four pa parents that, uh, <laughs> that are Southern Ontario. They, you know, you almost didn't know where the Yukon was. It was so far away. So we, we lied to them right from the start as to where we were going. And once we got to the Yukon, we, yeah, fell in love and this is, uh, this has been home and we got, you know, we, we went back to Ontario to get married and we've been here for 25 years, my wife and I, Denise, and this is, uh, this is the place. This is the, where the roots, roots grounded and there's no intention of leaving here. That's, uh, that's quite the adjustment, man. That's, uh, that's a big move. So, um, Help me with the chronology here. Where did where does hunting fit into into your timeline? Well, I I started see our family was, you know, we were kind of just middle, I would say middle class family, but we couldn't afford big holidays. So, you know, it wasn't like we were going to Florida or, you know, to resorts or anything like that. We my family's been my dad was really into the outdoors. He grew up in Sault Ste. Marie and which is, you know, very outdoorsy you know, a lot of lakes and rivers and forests. And so he grew up, you know, in the bush and that's kind of where our holidays started, where we would go into the drive, you know, 10 hours to Sault Ste. Marie and then three hours or eight hours to Sault Ste. Marie and three hours into the bush from there and just camp in a tent. And those were how our holidays were spent. And so my dad, once I was able to get a hunting license, he, he uh, went out, you know, took me hunting, but we spent a pile of time fishing. That was really my father's passion was fishing. And he um, it's, you know, in retrospect, I look back and he had a, he had a hunting and kind of fishing television show in Ontario on just local cable channel. And oh, is that right? That's pretty yeah, neat. Yeah, it is neat. Cause he did that for, he did that for a few years and um, never, you know, never really got into it. It was, he still had, you know, full-time job and at part at points, two full-time jobs. And he was just trying to, you know, make ends meet, but still, you know, do his, follow his passion. So it's, you know, I never gave it that much thought because I was at an age when he had this, this television show that I was just starting to, to move, you know, sow my own, you know, seed for lack of a better term, just do my own thing at that 16, 17 years old um, when he started that. So I was really just pursuing athletics and that was kind of my dad's thing. But we started, yeah, we started young from, you know, fishing. He would take me, I would get fishing holidays in school, which, you know, when I look back at it, I probably should have never had them because my scholastic <laughs> career was not good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I, I used to get the same treatment and, you know, I think it was more of an excuse for, for the, for the fathers just to get out. Right. They, uh, is something that didn't get questioned with, with the mothers. You're just spending quality time with the boy. And I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I'll, st I still, um, 
my oldest son, he gets a day off once a year to, to go, to go hunting or fishing with me. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a tradition, but yeah, I'm in the same boat. I probably could have used those extra days of school. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely could have. That's, that's cool to hear that you're in the same situation. So there's, so we're not the only fathers that are still, you know, <laughs> keeping the, keeping the tradition alive. Although I think my son is a little bit smarter than I was. Um, yeah, I was not, uh, school was not my thing other than one class. And that was phys ed. Uh, I was, uh, I did, I did pretty good at that one. That was it, about it though. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, you made it to, to university or college. Uh, that's further than I did. What, uh, what did you go to college to become? Um, well, my father was, it's funny when, you know, when I really look back and I analyze the history of, I guess, our family and, and my, you know, immediate family is I've really followed in my father's footsteps from beginning to, you know, to, to now, which is, which is kind of interesting consider we've lived for the majority of our adult lives apart. So my father was a police officer at, in a small, in our small town. Um, for I think seven years or so. And I, so I went to college for law and security first. And then after, after I finished college, I did, still didn't know, you know, what the heck I was going to do with myself. So university was the next logical place to go, but I couldn't have gotten into university had I not done college. So, cause my grades just weren't good enough. Um, so there was a, yeah, there was a few things there that led me to the university that I went to. And one of those things was the, the girl that um, I ended up marrying. Um, I knew that she was there and we hadn't, you know, my wife, Denise, we hadn't talked for a number of years, but we went to grade school together. So this is a long story to show, to get around to why I, <laughs> you know, the, the career choices that I made, but my father, yeah, he, um, he was a police officer and, that's kind of where I went to college and then criminology at university with the, with the knowledge that my future wife was there. And that's, was one of the goals was to, uh, to track her down and, um, you know, kind of hunt her down and make sure that she was going to be mine. So <laughs> university was the right place to do that. It was fitness something that, uh, that's always been a big part of your life. Yeah, it's, it certainly has, um, you know, fitness has been one of those things that has always been, you know, always been there, whether it's professional, you know, from, from hot playing hockey at a, at a young age to leaving Ontario and coming here to the Yukon and really following my passion for the outdoors. Um, but my wife is a tremendous athlete. Um, I, I always say that she's the better athlete in the family. So we really grew together to be able to, um, to do this and, yeah, it's, uh, it's been, it's been really, really good. Yeah. It sounds like quite the adventure full life. You live up there. Uh, you mentioned you had kids. Yeah, we have two kids. We have, um, a five-year-old daughter and an eight-year-old son now. So yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, there's such a, it's such a great age to right now where they're just starting to become their own little people, but yet they're following you in, uh, in the things that you do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. I got three, three myself. So, like I said, <laughs> three. Uh, I, yeah, the busy house. Nice. The oldest one, he's he's right into into the outdoor stuff, fish, archery, hunting, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun spending time with him in the outdoors. That's for sure. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. I did the first, um, my first hunt with my son this year, which was a, a sheep hunt with my father. So my father, you know, he's 74 and my son was seven and taking them out on uh, on a doll sheep hunt was, was very interesting to say the least. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of nuances in terms of hunting opportunity between uh, BC and the Yukon. In BC here, we unfortunately, we don't have a, a grizzly bear season. And I, I don't think you guys have a whitetail season up there. Can you hunt deer up there at all? Yeah, we can hunt mule deer, but it's a draw only. Um, and it's, you know, the chances of getting one are, are very slim. So I've never yeah. hunted them up here. Gotcha. So what, uh, in an average, you know, hunting year, how many species do you aim to get out after? You know, I try to get, we have, we're, you know, we're very fortunate. We can get 11 tags over the, over the counter. So I try to get out after almost everything, I'm not always successful. Um, I do, I do bear hunt. I don't put, I don't put a lot of time into bear hunting. I usually do, you know, one trip, one hunt a season. Uh, and that's usually in the spring. Is, is that then, black bear or, or grizzly bear? Yeah. Black bear mostly. And then oh, yeah. I, I'm coming across, you know, and more of the grizzly bear hunting for me has been an opportunity while I'm out hunting something else. Right. So yeah, I, I don't spend a pile of time dedicated to bear hunting. Um, but I certainly have, you know, I've taken a number of grizzly bears and, uh, lots of black bears over, over the years. So, but you know, the majority of my hunting revolves around sheep and moose, uh, caribou. Hunting is hard enough as it is. And then, uh, you add another demon to the equation by hunting in the Yukon and then multiply that by adding film, connect the dots for me here. I mean, you, you mentioned that your dad was into filming, but really weren't that involved. Um, why did you decide to start filming your hunts? Yeah. You know what? I think that it was, um, it was concocted around a fire and a moose hunt with a good buddy of mine where we were going to get, uh, we just thought, you know what, we need to start filming this stuff. Like we're not seeing anything like the way we hunt on television and you know, like sure you could watch some of Jim's shocky stuff where he's moose hunting out of boats and Argos and, and not that I don't use that, but certainly that was kind of what was being portrayed generally speaking in the in the Yukon and the kind of hunting that we do up here is or that I really am passionate about doing is more of the human powered and getting way into the back country getting away from everybody else and just you know pushing it pushing it physically hard and you know mentally challenging yourself on long hunts so those are the kind of things that we weren't seeing and we thought you know what, this would be a great thing to, to video and put on television. So it really just started around a campfire really over, over rums to, uh, <laughs> to, to what's, what, what now has become, you know, season five of this hunting show. You know, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the season finale for a lot of these, these, uh, backpack style hunting shows you see on TV where they're doing one big, uh, ram hunt at the end of the season or you know that's up in the Yukon or up in up in Alaska and, and it's it's cool watching your stuff because that's all you guys are showing right it's all 100% Yukon hunts and I mean you guys are dropping stuff out of planes and getting, you know then you got to hike forever to go and retrieve that stuff so you can begin your hunt so yeah it's uh, it's pretty neat stuff man um, but uh, I, I wanted to ask you a couple of 
questions before we get into uh, talking about uh, your TV career and uh, and what I wanted to to kind of focus on here today was uh, training and stuff and mental preparation. You do a lot of adventure racing now. For those who don't know, could you kind of just tell everybody what adventure racing is? To kind of put it into perspective here, um, I I used to do a lot of adventure racing. Um, I used to race. My wife and I actually used to both race professionally on the same team and on separate teams from time to time. But adventure racing, the sport is what I consider the the most difficult human endurance sport on the planet. Um, so it basically is comprised of three different disciplines. One is, you know, trekking. Um, the other one, you know, running, trekking, cross country, mountain biking and paddling. Now, all of, so all of these activities are done on an unmarked course where you have to navigate by map and compass. So, and traditionally our style of, of adventure racing was 400 to thousand kilometer races. So anywhere, you know, from four days to, you know, eight days. 400 um, to a thousand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I, I, I heard you right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a clearly a heavy endurance based sport. And, you know, we were very fortunate to travel all over, over the world to race at a professional level and with some of the best teams and, you know, best teams in the world. So we got to see a lot of really cool places and the kind of places that, no tourist is ever going to see um, because you're, you're just traveling through jungles and in Australia, in the outback, you know, these, just these places, New Zealand, China, just places that people don't see and get to meet people that have nothing, but yet they have everything. Do you know, if, if you can understand, you know what I mean? Is this like, people that we would consider in Canada as so poor, but yet these people are living these, you know, self-sustaining lives in places that you didn't even know existed. So yeah, it was such a great sport and I was fortunate to do it for many years at that level. Um, but it's, it's tough. It's, it's, it's just such a mentally and physically difficult sport that, um, you just have to be, you got to be dialed in all the time and at your physical best and your mental best to be able to get through some of these events. I got to like, why, why did you do this? Why do you do, why do you put yourself <laughs> through this? You know, like that's, well, it's, it's funny that we have asked ourselves that, um, Denise and I remember our very first expedition style race, um, which was four days long and we were it's actually our first race was in the Yukon um and just you know about 40 miles from the finish I remember you know on day four looking at Denise and just saying like remind me never to do this again you know and yeah. she was like yes no problem <laughs> um we got through that race and we were actually the first team um local team to ever finish one of those the races that this race organizer had put on um and he put on you know number all over the country and we're the first local team to ever complete the course so uh two weeks later we were like looking for the next race you know as soon as our bodies healed up 
we were saying, okay, where are we going next? And all right, there's one in Scotland in three months. Let's go. Oh, you're hooked. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, there was no going back for us because it was such a, it was, it tore you down to a place that you never knew that you could go that low, both mentally and physically, and then come back from. Um, so that, that's why adventure racing to me is just, it's, it's a sport that you can't is so difficult to replicate um, in and certainly also in a team form um, with multi-disciplines and navigation, all these things that you are so far beyond your control in an environment that one day it's blazing sun in Mexico and you're cooking. And then that night you're freezing, you know, swimming in a river for eight hours you know, you're, and you're freezing and you're hypothermic and the, all these different things that happen over this course of four to a, days to a week. Um, I really felt like I've packed a lifetime of adventure and mental strain and physical strain into, into each and every one of those races sometimes. And that's where I find living really, really what it's, what it's really all about. It's about finding out who you are and taking your life off of cruise control and figuring out where your limits are and what, uh, what it really takes to push beyond them. Yeah. I imagine, you know, there's probably only a select few people on earth that can go, go through something like this. So it's a, it's a team sport. What, it, what is it like teams of two teams of four? Yeah. Typically teams of four with you and you have to have one opposite sex. So um, basically all the best teams in the world are running three guys and one woman. And so it's, it's really interesting to see how that dynamic shakes out because in such a, you know, an endurance sport like that, the women typically suffer for the first, you know, 24 to maybe to 48 hours. And then they just, uh, they come into their own and then the guys start melting down. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting sport when you throw the dynamic of, of a female into, into that, because I think it really, it really makes the team better. They're bringing something that when four dudes get together and they're starting to, to try to, there's a little bit of competition. There's just, it's a different dynamic. Whereas you add a woman in there and then, four days into a race or a week into a race and she's carrying your backpack, you know, (laughs) it's humbling and you have to leave, you know, you have to leave your ego at the door when you step in onto one of those race courses, because it's just hard. And there are going to be times when the female on the team is going to be towing you or carrying your backpack. And that's, that's the quickest way to the finish line is by leaving your ego you know, at the door and just saying, Hey, it's all about the team right now. And we have to get, um, we have to get across the line as quick and as easily as we possibly can. And the only way to win those races is for everybody to cross that line because you drop a person and your race is over. Oh yeah. Yeah. So how many, uh, how many teams enter one of these races? Um, we've done races with, you know, 80, 90 teams. Oh, wow. Um, you know, the world championships were, probably ran around 30 teams or so 30 to 30 to 40 but yeah there's uh unfortunately the sport has has digressed um 
it's just a really hard sport. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it obviously takes a select individual to to dedicate themselves to something like this. I mean, um, you know, there's only so much suffering people are willing to put themselves through, and I think it takes uh, it takes a unique individual to tolerate that amount of, of torture. I think that you're to a degree you're right, but I also think that we don't give ourselves enough credit. We don't, we're just not ingrained to push ourselves. And when, when you actually do push yourself, it is amazing what you can actually do. And we live in this world where we're so soft and everything is, you know, given to us and everything is made easy for us. You know, food, you don't have to grow it anymore. You just go and buy the garbage off the shelf and you stuff it into your, into your face while you watch TV. Like this is what we do now. And by, but when you do step out of the comfort zone and you seek out pain for lack of a better word or discomfort, man, it's a liberating feeling when you've accomplished something that you didn't know that you could. So yeah, at the, at the highest level, I think that there is, you know, you have to have uh, a certain ability to be able to do all of these different disciplines and be good or be world-class at that, at that sport. But people can just decide to do something hard. And as long as you are willing to to dis, you know, to deal with the discomfort for that period of time, it's pretty amazing what we, what the human body can do. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I get what you're saying, man, and uh, I can definitely hear the the passion and sincerity in your voice when you when you talk about that. Uh, I guess suffering and and how it puts things into perspective, and you know, I myself, you know, I, I have to cordial sometimes when I hear people talk about their day-to-day hardships of society now and, you know, work and kids. And I mean, you know, life on this half of the world, it's a pretty damn nice and easy place to live in. You know what I mean? In contrast to the less fortunate places where, you know, the day-to-day dichotomy is life and death. And uh, I mean, for the most part in North America here, you know, we get to choose the limitations of our suffering. Uh, it's, it's like we literally have to, have to search out discomfort in order to like, for me, I, I literally have to search it out in order to feel alive now. And we were very fortunate that we live in a place that in a lot of ways that we don't have to worry about, you know, waking up in the morning and is there going to be, um, you know, shots ringing through our house while we, while we sleep at night, or we don't live in that, that type of an environment. We are so fortunate about that. But the, the flip side is that we can easily get lulled into just what I call life on cruise control. You know, when you're going down the highway and you just flick on cruise control and kind of sit back and watch it all go by. Um, That's the kind of, that's the kind of life that we in North America are living right now. And it shows up in, you know, it shows up in our health. Like we are the most unhealthy society right now. This North America, the United States, Canada, all these, what they consider first world countries, you know, is Australia. The obesity rates in in these countries now where we live are just, it's saddening because we're lulled into this everyday 
just get what you want. Stuff your face with whatever garbage food that you want to eat today. Sit on the couch, watch TV, watch Greg McHale's Wild Yukon and lull yourself <laughs> through another evening. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I really I really believe that I wouldn't care if if I couldn't produce another television show because nobody wanted to watch it because they were all out exercising. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I, do you know what yeah, I mean? I Everything's just too accessible nowadays, right? And and uh, it's good to hear your perspective on that because um, the things you do and the way you live your life, it's, it's pretty inspiring to a lot of people, so. Well, and we all, the thing is, like, we all have these moments. Um, like, I've just built, I just have built a, a framework of of success that I know works for me. And it doesn't work for everybody. And that's not to say that I don't have the times where, man, I just want to have a piece of chocolate or I just want to sit in front of the television tonight, you know, and, and watch, uh, you know, no, I don't even want to say it because, <laughs> uh, because I'd be aging myself that uh, the new, that Netflix Cobra Kai. <laughs> oh man. I'm all over myself. that. <laughs> no, don't. I'm all over that. It's, it's almost embarrassingly funny, but, um, but yeah, you know what I mean? I'm getting at what nobody is perfect and there is no such thing as perfection. What we are trying to do is what I'm trying to do is inspire people to just be a little bit better today than they were yesterday and build this foundation of happiness in their life. And I know for me, happiness comes from a number of different areas, but it's a foundation on eating good food and exercising. Those are the two things in life that if you just did them, you would be a happier person because everything else would just come together. Now, I know that we, you know, your podcast is very centered around hunting. And I know that it, your physical no, fitness nope. is something that is important to you. Um, but it's just the foundation of everything that mm -hmm. is going to be good in your life. Yeah, no, 100%, man. And uh, I mean, yeah, this podcast is centered around hunting, but I mean, I mean, I hunt because I love to hunt and it gives me enjoyment, but physical well-being and mental well-being, it's also gives me a lot of fulfillment and, and working on it creates a lot of enjoyment as well. So um, yeah. I totally get what you're saying, man. It's uh, foundationally about yeah creating healthy lifelong habits that are going to be able to get you into the places that you want to get to like hunting in the backcountry or just just being able to get in and out of a boat you know when you're when you're 60 70 years old like this yeah. is the this is what we're looking at yeah we longevity looking, yeah yeah just just a lifetime of happiness yeah because i think that's all really that's all we're looking for is being happy. Nobody's got to get up at 4.30 in the morning like I do, but I need <laughs> to get up at 4.30 in the morning to be happy. It makes me really happy when I know that I started my day with a foundation of success. Mm -hmm. I've got, I've, I wanted to hit the snooze button and I didn't. So I started my day with a win right yeah. off the, right off the hop, the hop. And now I can just got to build on that for the rest of the day. So I have habits. I have habits that I do not like these are these are things that I I will not scrimp on. 
um, they become musts. And when healthy habits become musts, life is easy. Yeah, exactly, man. And, you know, if you do it enough, routine becomes, it becomes simple. I mean, for myself, I'm in the same boat. Uh, my day-to-day is I get up 4.30 in the morning and I do a training session in the morning, which is you know, a compression of stretching and cardio. You know, then it's breakfast, shower kids, work home by four, four-ish, um, catch up with the kids. And then, you know, I'm doing weights for an hour and then, you know, uh, it's dinner, kids, homework and 8 30 9 o'clock I'm lights out and um yeah you do that and I tell people all the time you know consistency is key uh, sacrifice and and hard work are conducive to results and you just have to get over that first little threshold and uh and then it becomes like you said it just becomes something that is 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 easy yeah it becomes normal yeah yeah exactly man just just like eating garbage food becomes normal so yeah. does eating healthy food and exercising just becomes normal. Exactly. But they're two yeah. different sides of the spectrum and two different outcomes in longevity and happiness. Yeah. Or coming home and having six beer and sitting on the couch. Right. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, Friday comes around. I, I like to have a, a beer here or there, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, it's just something that it, it's not easy and it, it definitely takes work. Uh, I wanted to ask you about setting goals. Um, you know, uh, in society, like we just talked about, there's, you know, most people, I sh- well, I shouldn't say most people, a lot of people are flippant when it comes to fitness. Um, I mean, you must get this question all the time, but, uh, what are the three things people could do to turn their health and fitness around? Yeah. If I had to boil it down to, th- to three things, um, it's, it starts for, it really starts in the morning and I don't know that it's just three things, but it starts, the day starts in the morning, but it actually starts the night before. So what I do is I start off going to, before I go to bed, I've got everything set out for my success in the morning. So my clothes that I'm going to wear into the gym um, are set out. I just, all I got to do is get out of bed, go to the bathroom, change into them. And then I head out to, to the kitchen and I put water in my body. Um, I, I drink at least 700, about 800 mils of water and I put super greens in there. So what I've done is I've just started my day with, uh, rehydration and, and good, not, I wouldn't call it food, but certainly, um, you know, super greens. So Mm -hmm. it's a bunch of, basically it's a bunch of vegetables in a powder form, right? So that's how I, that's how I start. And that would be the, the one thing that I would highly recommend. If, if you just get up in the morning, a half an hour earlier than you would say normally, and you have these things set out, you're setting your day in motion for success. Um, so that's, that's very important. And then if you can get in your exercise before you go to work, just like, just like what you're doing is is the foundation for success and then depending on what it is that that you like to do um i think cardio is hugely important in longevity so really it's those are those are the that's the one main thing that i would really recommend if any someone wanted to start to change their change their life for the better in a in a physical way and then obviously the food that we eat is you know the quickest way to to six pack abs is, is not doing crunches 
the quickest way to six pack abs is eating healthy. When I say healthy, it's plant-based whole foods. That's like, it's, the proof is there. And it's funny because I do all the hunting that I do. And some of the, your listeners are probably not going to like this, but all of the hunting that I do, I eat very minimal red meat. The only red meat that I do eat is the meat that I've killed. Um, mm -hmm. And, and our family does not eat a lot of it. Now I supply many, many families with what I would consider the, you know, the red meat that they should, they should eat all yeah. year. Yeah. Um, so I love, that's one of the, you know, my great joys is to be able to, after a hunting season, you know, to be able to spread the, spread the wealth around, um, with, with good quality organic meat. Now, like I said, um, red meat is not, is not easily, um, digested. Like it's, it's, it's very, it's very difficult actually. And it's harder, um, harder on the body to digest that than it is a plant-based kind of whole food diet. Um, I found that I, my body performs at its peak with that kind of a diet. And I would be hard pressed to find, um, I think most people, if they would, if they did it and would try it, um, they would find that their body works, works really well that way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you know, everybody's bodies are a little bit differently and some people's bodies are going to react a little differently to certain diets, but that's something you have to play with. And again, it, it, uh, it takes work. Um, I, myself, that's one thing I struggle with is diet. I, I need to do better preparations in terms of daily meals and stuff like that, rather than just, uh, a run and gun approach, you know, just grabbing something last minute and then running out the door. Um, yeah, that's one thing I told myself I needed to work on this year was diet and uh, core strength. That was one thing I think I struggled with last year was in the back country, I kind of felt that I needed to increase my um, leg strength and core strength. So my goal this year is to pack on a little bit of muscle. Yeah, it's if you came from a similar background to to me is um, food was, you know, I, I grew up on in farm country and obviously we had gardens and stuff, but you got to think about how, how the world has progressed and the kind of food that we eat now, generally speaking, compared to, you know, what they, you know, what you could pull out of the garden in the, in the eighties. Um, so it's just, it's just very difficult to eat, um, to eat well. I think it's easy coming from a background. I don't know if you, I assume that you played sports as a kid, you know, and probably loved it. So that's where your physical activity is more natural to you and you enjoy it. And so getting up and exercising isn't as much of a burden, but to sit down and build a really healthy meal, it takes practice and it's not that difficult, but it's actually changing your, changing your taste is one was one of the hardest things that I found, um, and still uh, the cravings that you get from the processed food that we eat. You know the sugar, like it's more addictive than cocaine. Like it's proven, and you know these are the kind of things that in everyday society are really challenging to overcome. But you know what the other option is: medication, heart disease, you know, yeah. cancers, all of these other things that are going to be something you have to deal with if you don't, um, if you don't take care of it now, that's yeah. how I look at life now. And yeah. people look at me and go, 
wow, Greg, that's fanatical. But, but it's, it's really about, it's about lifelong happiness. And I know when I'm fit, I'm the happiest. And when yeah. I'm properly, I'm the happiest. Quality of life, man. No, I get it. I think you hit the nail on the head. And, uh, you know, self-improvement is, is something that you do day to day just to feel better mentally, physically. And uh, I mean, you know, myself, I entangle all that into hunting just because I like to set goals for myself. I like to challenge myself. Um, that's what gets me up in the morning. I mean, you know, some people have goals of um, getting out with a backpack to do these type of hunts. You know, I think they kind of get caught up with the other details of the hunt. You know, what's the lightest and best equipment they can have? What pack costs the most? And uh... yeah, I, I love that. Uh, you know, when we when we talk about hunting and backcountry hunting and doing these, you know, backpacks and hunting, and everyone and me included is everyone is so focused on dropping. You know, dropping weight. Let's use the carbon this so we can drop weight here, and where people should really be focused on dropping the weight off their gut, you know, like 10, 10 pounds off of your gut is going to do way more than trying to get 10 pounds off of the gear, 10 pounds of gear that you're going to drop from a 60 pound pack to a 50 pound pack, uh, is going to cost you, you know, $6,000. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, you're not only drop, you're not only dropping weight on your back, but you're dropping weight in your pocketbook as well. Right. So, I mean, that's something everybody can do. You know what I mean? There's no restrictions on fitness. Yeah. It's something everybody can do. You know, now with all this stuff going on, maybe sure you, um, you can't go to a gym, but don't use it as an excuse. You still have two feet. You can go for a walk, you know, you can go for a jog, you can do push-ups. so many things you can do. And rather than just look for an excuse not to do it, it's for sure. Yeah, I mean, and that's just it. Every, anything that, anything that you're looking for an excuse for, like there is no excuse not to be fit. None. Like zero, there's no excuse to eat shit food. There's none. Like we all know you have, all you gotta do is look, look around. Everything is, we all know that if you eat more vegetables, you eat less fat, less garbage food, that you're probably going to be healthier. And we all know that if you go for a run or you sweat or you do your pushups, you, you move your body in a physical way, you're going to get fitter. Like yeah. looking, no gyms being open. That's just an excuse not to do it. Yeah. It's an excuse to be lazy. Yeah, man. And I think as a society, we just accept laziness. You know what I mean? Yeah, we sure are. And like, I don't want to, I certainly don't want to come off like this. You know, that you have to do it this way. It's, it's, that's not the way it is. It's a, it is about balance in life and you have to, you have to, enjoy you know the little things sometimes but i found that over the years after sometimes those little those things that used to be pleasurable are no longer pleasurable um because i feel a little bit of guilt about doing it because i know how it's going to make me feel the next day or you know if i went out and had a big burger and fries and you know or wings and uh, those onion rings you know i now I would just feel like garbage the next day. So as much pleasure as that's going to give me for a few moments, I know I'm going to pay for it later. And, and, you know, we've been very fortunate. My wife is an amazing cook. I have, I've built all of these, we've built all of these great habits and we built them together. And that is, that's one of the things that I, 
that I think that a lot of couples can struggle with too, is not being on the same page with your spouse or your significant other that, that you, that you're really working toward this healthy lifestyle together. And if, um, if you're not on the same page, that's a different challenge too. Right. And I've, I've been very fortunate, (laughs) like, like literally my wife and I went to grade one together. You know, we went to a school from grade one to grade eight in with an, a school of 80 kids in the farm country. So like, this is not normal, you know, today kind of society stuff, but we went to separate high schools and didn't get together until university. So it's not like we've been together forever, but we've really built this foundation of health and fitness and happiness together over, over a lot of years. Um, and when you do have, have a spouse that is supportive that way, it certainly makes life a lot easier. No, it does 100%. I got a rock star of a wife too, but I really like how you you uh, put it where healthy living is a habit. Back to a bit of, um, you know, hunting. And now personally, um, you know, I train because not only it makes me feel better, it improves my physical health, my mental health, but uh, I love to hunt and I use hunting as my motivation for training. And over the past, you know, I don't know, maybe five or six years, there seems to be a huge shift in the way hunters view physical fitness as this um, facet of hunting. How would you rate the importance of physical and mental fitness and hunting? Physical and mental fitness, those are two, they're two completely different subjects. Um, You know, when it comes to the style of hunting that I do, or if you're looking at backcountry hunting, where you're backpacking, um, you know, it's, it's interesting where now we've got, uh, and I have a great partner with Gunworks with the, the interest in, you know, the shooting long range. Some people look at, look at like long range shooting ability as a, as a tool so that they actually don't have to be fit. Now I, I completely disagree with that. Um, because the ability to, you know, to get out and shoot far is, is one thing, whether it's a thousand yards or it's 400 yards, you still got to get out there and cover the country. But the kind of hunting that I really love that back country backpacking, getting in into real remote wilderness places where you're not going to run into somebody on the ATV, um, <laughs> physical preparation and physical fitness is huge because you know, if you're, if you're walking in there and you want to do it, cause you know, you just want to do it and you're 20 pounds overweight, uh, but you're still going to do it. You're going to be able to, you know, get to, to this Ridge, but if you're fit and strong, there is just very few limitations as to where you can go when you see that animal or, you know, you've exhausted the local area and you want to move on. If you don't have fitness, you're just not going to do it. It's going to, you know, your knees are going to be sore. You're going to be, your back is going to be sore and you're just going to pack it up and, and, you know, oftentimes go home early because you, you dread the next mountain range or you dread crossing that next Creek to get on top of that next mountain because for fear that you might see something for further off, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, So physical fitness to me in mountain hunting is it's absolutely number one. Yeah. Um, Cause if, 
if you don't have the physical ability, um, you might have the mental ability and people, I, you know, I hear people talking about how mental strength is so much more important and certainly it can be, it, it is, it's one factor, but it's a different factor. But in order to have mental strength, you've had to put yourself in difficult mental situations or, or maybe you've put yourself in physical difficult situations and you've overcome them with mental, but you, you combine those two things and you're unstoppable. Yeah. Like when I, when I know that there is a Ram in, in a range and I've got two weeks to, to track it down and I know it's there. Um, I'm going to find it. Like, I'm just yeah. going to find it. Yeah. And it's not going to be because I'm not physically prepared. It's not going to be because I'm not mentally prepared. And when you do those two things, like you're just unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And really that's what adventure racing gave me is it gave me like, I know that there isn't anything that a mountain hunt can throw at me that is going to make me want to quit. Like, yeah. so I already like in the world, put me anywhere in the world. And I'm not saying this arrogantly. I'm saying this only because I've put myself in difficult situations purposefully so that I can understand what my limitations are or they're not. And there isn't anything in a hunting scene situation, especially with, you know, other people with cameras <laughs> trying to film it that that is going to make me want to quit. I mean, obviously, um, I don't know if, if people listening need to go into the extremes that you do in terms of um, physical fitness, but it's something that definitely needs to be done and as part of your preparation, because it's just one less thing to worry about. Like you said, if you're chasing a ram and you don't have the gas to make it up the next ridge line, there's no point of even being out there, right? Yeah, the lighter you can be, um, the more prepared that you can go into that backcountry, because sometimes, you know, it's about just finding out where you're at too. Right. Um, but if you, if you are willing to put in the work before you go out there, your mind is going to be stronger. Even if your body body isn't <laughs> at least you you've built this, this perception that, you know, I did a lot of hard work to get where I am right now. And there's a, there's a, an elk or a moose or a sheep or whatever it is over there. And I can do it Yeah. by, and by putting in the months or the weeks or years of effort prior to that gives you the mental mindset that'll get you there. You mentioned mental toughness. Now, um, you know, one of the biggest factors I guess I found when backpack hunting is, um, getting comfortable being in an uncomfortable situation. Now, um, you living in the Yukon, what you find comfortable, is probably going to feel uncomfortable to somebody living in Vancouver. Um, what are some of the ways, uh, well, I guess a better question would be, um, what advice would you have for people who are wanting to improve their, um, I guess, for lack of a better word, toughness? Yeah. Mental toughness is derived from putting yourself in difficult situations and, and then becoming that becoming the norm. Okay. So I, I've always sought out, I think what most people would consider discomfort because I wanted to find out 
who I am or what I, what I'm made of. And that's why you don't go into adventure racing unless you, you know, you're willing to suffer. Um, and so the mental toughness side really comes with, with being able to, to be okay with putting yourself out there with not knowing what the outcome is going to be and not being afraid of it. So my first ad uh, adventure race, like I didn't, you don't know whether you're going to be able to complete it or not is, you know, is your body going to shut down? Is your mind going to shut you down? And most times it's your mind. So, you know, that's why I moved. That's probably that's why we did so well at adventure racing is because we live in a place like the Yukon where things are just not easy. So I left Ontario, you know, the center of the universe in Canada, <laughs> which, you know, they would, where life is super easy. It's super easy. You just cruise control is the norm yeah. where I moved to the Yukon because it's, the one last place in our country that is unknown and it's challenging. The winters here suck. Like it's long and it's cold and there's, you know, a fair bit of snow and there's no daylight. And you like, love it. And I love it because, <laughs> because this is, because when the sun comes out and it's minus 40 and you walk outside, you know, you're alive. You know, you're in a place that if you don't take care of yourself, this place will kill you in the middle of the winter. You, <laughs> and that's what really, that's what mental toughness for me was about. It's about putting myself in difficult situations to see how I make out and where I stack up in the world. And that's, that's lost in a lot of ways. And I think that when, so when I go out, get up at four 30 in the morning and it's minus 30 out there and I go running, you know, I know that, okay, you, you fall down, you break a leg out in the middle of the trail an hour from home. And you know what? Like this, it's the real deal. Yeah. You're and in this trouble. Is, this is every day, real deal. Cause there's nobody coming. Like, you know, you don't dial in your, dial in your watch and uh, you know, the chopper shows up in the middle of the night or the middle of the morning when daylight's still five hours away. So you're crawling home, but this is the kind of environment that, that I think that to getting to mental toughness is men need to seek difficult situations to build mental toughness. And that's what I do as much as, and I could do it more. I, but I'm lazy. Do you know what I mean? Like I could do it more. I should do it more, but life is, life is nice. The house is nice. It's nice and warm. So I literally have to go, Greg, you need to find something hard to do or else you're going to get soft. Wow. That's intense, man. Get out of your comfort zone. That's something that I think nobody does it, but um, again, it's something we can all, even if it's just little things, making yourself a little, uncomfortable you know with anything um have a cold shower yeah like try that one i maybe yeah. you already have but i mean it ain't easy yeah like no like two minutes of complete discomfort in a freezing cold shower that's part that's 
that's creating mental toughness. Mm-hmm. Work your way up. Yeah. yeah Work your way up to those challenges is. that you challenge yourself with. And yeah. there's, there's no secret. There's no secret sauce to it. There's nothing special about Greg McHale. There isn't. It's, it's really just that I've made a decision that I don't want to be soft. Mm. That's, that's it. And once you make that, that decision, um, I don't want to, I don't want to be at, you know, 50 years old that somebody, you know, comes and grabs five pounds of fat, you know, in their hands around five pounds, more like, you know, 25 pounds, you know, you go up and grab those love handles. Um, I don't want to do that. I just, I want to be able to move. I want to be able to enjoy my kids for as long as I can, as long as my health provides that to me. And that's really what drives me. There's nothing special. It's, it's really just making the decision that I am not going to allow myself to get soft because there's so many benefits in life. If you're not, um, we're chewing up the clock here, man. And, uh, (laughs) Yeah. I uh, I got so many questions here. We're not we're not going to get to them all, but uh, I want to get into your YouTube page here because um, to me it's just something every hunter needs to watch. It's just awesome. But I just have one more question about uh, rest and recovery. Um, uh, do you find yourself? Do you find it hard to take like an off day? Uh, no, I don't find it difficult no? at all. You prioritize no. that. Um, it's, it's mandatory in order to, you know, to, to gain, you have to, you have to take care of, I, I really look at this thing, everything, this thing, this body is literally just a machine. Everything else is in the important shit is inside your head. This is a machine that you have to feed it good things. And you have to give it in, in rest is one of those things that you have to do. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't find that, uh, when a day off is scheduled, um, typically, or, or it's, or it's hitting a different body part. If you, if you want to, you know, my mind goes, okay, a lot of guys will go, I got to go all in and it's kind of all or nothing. And when they, when they take a day or two off, then it's like, oh man, you know, and they beat themselves up. But I certainly don't do that. I try to schedule my days off. But if something happens and um, I end up taking a, another day off, something comes up, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's what because- I, I struggle with that uh, a fair bit is just the guilt of taking a day off. Like if I'm going hunting or if something comes up, then uh, I mean, I have no trouble if it's uh, if I take a day off. But I find if I to schedule a day off and do nothing, I feel a lot of guilt. It's something I, I, but you, I know that you, your body needs time to recover. So I really push myself to, you know, just focus on shooting my bow that day or, or doing some other aspect of something. Right. That, uh, right. So well, I think that that guilt is, is a great thing because it's the guilt that drives us to get, to get up in the morning, to not let it happen again the next day. Um, that's the worst thing is, you know, you get is, you get a couple of these days where you don't do anything back to back and then it becomes easier not to do it. And it becomes harder to get, to go back to the exercise. So, but you know what, man, like I fall and I fail all the time. Like I failed at more things than, than I've been successful at. One thing I don't do is I don't beat myself up 
about the things that I've failed at. Um, one of the, uh, probably a, a good example is um, obviously I fly and I'm a pilot and I've crashed my, um, my airplane. I crashed my super cup and um, completely my fault, completely. There's, you know, nobody else to blame, but me um, heavy plane, like a lot of different things that, uh, that I just did wrong uh, culminated in the, in the accident. Um, and you know what? I, I thought to myself like, okay, even as soon as I done, it, I said, how can I not do this again? And how can I help other people not to make the same mistake that I did? So I'm sitting in the 200 miles from the nearest road. I've just crashed my airplane in the Yukon backcountry, And my thought was, how can, how can I learn from this? Because I'm alive, number one, and I have nothing broken. Um, what can I learn from this? And what can I use this moment right now to help somebody else not do what I just did? So I pulled out my cell phone and I started recording. And the whole point of this is that I wanted to be able to tell people what I did wrong so that they didn't do it. But I also wanted to use it as therapy for me so that, you know, I get back in this airplane and I don't beat myself up about the mistake I just made. Right. And, um, you know, you fall off the, the wagon, whether it's, you know, whether it's alcohol or whether it's food, um, whether it's exercise, don't beat yourself up about it. Just get back on and do better the next day. That's yeah. it. And do the work. <laughs> and do the work because nobody's going to do it for you. Yeah. Nobody, I love that, man. Do the work. Nobody gives a shit about whether you drop 20 pounds or you don't. Yeah. Nobody cares whether you kill an elk this year or you don't. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's about you. And what I do know for sure, Kevin, is you cannot take care of people around you if you do not take care of yourself. Right. And that's what my family deserves. They deserve, my kids deserve me to be the best that I can be because I want them to be the best that they can be. My wife deserves a husband that cares, that is willing to do the dishes, is willing to participate in making meals. Now that she doesn't want me to because I suck, mind you, at <laughs> cooking. But my wife deserves a husband that is there for her every day and is the one that is going to be the stable and consistent thing in her life in a world where we can't control anything and it, in, in a lot of ways. Right. So that's what I wake up every day going, you know what, dude, you need to pull your head out of your ass. If you're feeling lousy or you don't want to do it, you know, you need to take care of you so you can take care of them. Feel like right now I need to do some push-ups or go for a run or something here, but uh, I, we got to uh, we got to get into uh, some of your film stuff, man, because it's okay. just uh, it's um, we we got to talk about it because I've been going through it lately and it's just it's just awesome, you know, uh, especially a YouTube page. Uh, you know, YouTube these days it's it's uh, there's a page for everything. You can Google anything and a YouTube video comes up and, you know, they're so crowded and full of, um, I don't know, I guess crap, I guess. Uh, but you know, your page isn't one of those. I mean, besides being full of epic hunts that are, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of these action packed high mountain hunts, 
there's a ton of educational content on there as well. I mean, um, it's a somewhat Yukon or a Alaska hunting mentorship video series on glassing and equipment, training, preparation, and I mean just tons of stuff on there. Was this something you'd intended? Well, we started out with just, you know, the intention of building a television show, but as time, you know, as time progress, it's, um, and as I get older, I really feel like it's important for me to, to not, you know, not just produce a television show, but produce educational um, content that somebody can actually take something away from. Um, it's like, I, I'm, I'm very, you know, fortunate blessed to be able to have uh to produce a television show but that's just one aspect my as i as i get older and maybe that i'm you know you know you have kids and you start to look at your mortality you know what do i want to be able to look back on and ultimately i want to be able to look back and say that i didn't just entertain people um with a television show that I actually impacted their life, that I actually made a difference. And maybe if, you know, they pick up a tip when it comes related to hunting that would help them, you know, achieve that, that once in a lifetime goal, then, then that's fantastic. And that's really what the, uh, the intention of some of the, the more educational stuff um, component of the YouTube page uh, is, is providing. And, you know, I've got, great partners that, uh, that are really hungry for, for that kind of content as well. And they're, they're trying to give their audience, um, they're, they're trying to be more than just sell a product. They want to, they, they want to be able to give their audience and their customers something more as well. So it's a, it's a win-win for all of us for sure. If motivating people is something you were striving to do, you definitely succeeded with that because uh, um, you, you do such a great job motivating and inspiring people. With your, your television series, is this uh, informational material you have on your YouTube channel, is that something you're going to keep adding to? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's certainly something that we, we want to continue to work on. Um, it, it doesn't consume our... Um, there's, it's funny because I'm not a, I don't believe that I'm a really great teacher. <laughs> um, and, and I think it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of effort on, uh, on the whole team's part to really put some of these more educational videos together because um, I, the guys tell me like, Mikhail, you need to, you need to kind of just slow it down a little bit and, and explain what you're doing because I've done this for so long and I know intuitively what I need to do next. And it doesn't come second nature to me to, to slow it down and explain it. Um, so that's something that, that has been challenging for, for me um, and also the team to be able to, to pull that content out of me sometimes. So I'm, I'm working on it. And we're definitely going to continue to, to do it. But I, you know, even topics, like if your listeners have certain topics that they would like to like to know about when it comes to mountain hunting that maybe they haven't seen on, um, I'm all ears. I'm all about, you know, working harder to, to, to be better at what I do. And if you have any, you know, Kev, you have any ideas, then throw them my way and we'll, uh, we'll see if we can't work toward it. Tell me a little bit about your camera crew. Cause, um, 
they look like a solid group of dudes. They they're more than a solid group of dudes. Um, so this is, we've been together since, since day one. Um, neither one of them, uh, hunted before they met me. Um, Carl is the main photographer and he's does a lot of the, the production side stuff with me as, as well. Uh, Dave is the main videographer and editor. Um, Dave is from, Dave is from Czech. Uh, I have a, another business and Dave came over to, to work with me in, in the seasonal summer, summer tourism business. And I was going out hunting and he had David just shot this little video with him and his girlfriend as they're, you know, on their travels. And I thought, you know what, that was pretty good. Um, Dave, do you want to come, you want to come on a hunt with me and, you know, video it. And he had no idea. And Dave was fit. Um, so we went on a hunt together and Dave shot video and we were both like, yeah, this is awesome. So he, uh, he's been with, with me from like day one shooting every, all of the video. Um, he's, you know, we've learned how to do this together from like, nobody, we weren't educated. Nobody taught us how to run a video camera, how, what kind of shots. And Dave did all of that on his own. Um, very high level art, you know, very meticulous engineer kind of style mentality. Well, he actually is formerly an, an, an engineer educated. So that's the kind of, um, meticulous brain that Dave has and he's uh and he's a strong athlete as well so those two things um come together and I think it was an, an absolute advantage that he never hunted before and didn't know anything about hunting when he started um started into the the videography world and then yeah uh, and then well we can talk specifically about Dave but uh, I can also talk about Carl as well and <laughs> uh, in that Carl um, his first hunt was a goat hunt with me in uh, late October. We met um, actually running for the, through this uh, running group that we would get together on Sundays and, and I'll go, go running. And one day um, Carl was a pretty good runner and him and I were kind of like racing it out, uh, finish it off. And that was the day I thought, okay, you know, Carl's a good runner. Um, wonder if uh wonder if he wants to go on a on a mountain hunt so so that's where our friendship started there and that was uh that was 10 years ago our first hunt together and we've been you know he's now carl used to work for the government and now you know he's switched over full-time with uh with us dave and i and it's it's an amazing team i'm I give those guys all the credit in the world. They have to put up with me in the mountains and, and my, you know, my style of, of hunting. And they just kind of a three months is a, is a long time to deal with Mikhail in the mountains. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Well, they don't seem to hold you back at all. They seem like uh, a couple, you know, rough and tough group of guys there. Yeah, no, they're definitely, they're both solid athletes. And as more than, more than that, it's just, it's the attitude that uh, we're all driving for the same goal. And that's to capture the most, you know, cinematic, um, true, you know, do it yourself mountain hunting on the planet. Yeah. I think that those guys are, those guys are doing a good job at it. There's no doubt about that in my mind. 
there's a couple scenes in your guys's shows that are, are pretty amazing that one where the grizzlies chasing the goat i I had to rewind and watch that one. I don't know a dozen times. It's something you're never going to see ever again. No, cool. and I I remember like I was like, guys, t- you need to take this in because we will never see this again in our life. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> and that was an amazing moment for all of us. I think we were all like gobsmacked when that was going on. It was just like, and are, are you you know are you capturing this? And I almost didn't you know don't want to say it because you want to live it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but it, yeah, we got it. And that was, uh, that was pretty special. I'm glad you did because, uh, yeah, like I said, I've watched them over and over and that bear, it's funny watching those goats. They're just, I don't know if they just didn't care that, uh, Sal and cubs were right behind them, but you know, they, what was it like 10 yards? They just let it get right up to, them, and then they were gone. They're just like, Nope, we yeah. had enough. We're gone. It was yeah. such a crazy, um, crazy scene. And you know, it's, it is amazing how grizzly bears can move in the mountains though. Like I was, I'm still surprised. Um, two years ago now, we, we had a, um, a big boar that was basically, we were walking down to our camp that was on the side of a mountain and this boar runs, runs past, you know, winded us, saw us. And then he runs past our camp and he went down the valley and up the next other mountain. And it was just amazing to see how fast they are so you know you know how fast they are and then to see those goats just you know kind of maneuver their way around that around that sow was was really interesting to watch it's something else there's a lot of cool stuff on there that i think everybody needs to go check out for sure so uh but uh i've eaten enough of your time here man you know and uh and greg i uh in the intro here i told the people listening that uh, that you were one of the baddest dudes on the planet and by the end of this uh this podcast they they'd believe me and i think uh, <laughs> i, don't know I think that. i think you made him a believer um uh, you know it's uh it's pretty inspiring to see what you're doing and how you do it and uh the best part for me is you're canadian i love it yeah yeah no thanks man i pre- i really appreciate uh i appreciate you having me on and i appreciate all the kind words so um keep doing what you're doing buddy and um yeah if you if you ever need uh need a hand just give me a ring i um it's always great in this in this uh in this industry when we can uh as canadians we can you know help each other out and because it's a it's a big uh it's a big world out there and there aren't that many of us in the in the hunting world um, no not in, in comparison to, so. yeah Exactly. Not in comparison to our neighbors down below. That's for sure. But, uh, before we, uh, we sign off here, where can everybody find you? Um, YouTube. Yeah. Everything is under Greg McHale's wild Yukon. Um, you know, from Instagram to Facebook, YouTube, um, we're on the sportsman channel, uh, under the same name. Um, we're on carbon TV. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much, those are pretty much Amazon prime. Those are pretty much the platforms that you can uh, check it out on, but YouTube is super easy. Uh, all our latest stuff will be on Sportsman Channel on Canada and the U.S. Right, and you got an, You said you had a new season coming out. Yeah, well, we're Working our on. new season is Q3, so in July. Um, but right now, we're just starting to film. Oh, uh, I see. Bison. Yeah, we'll be out bison hunting, so that'll be our first uh, first episode for season five. Yeah. 
Awesome. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to put uh, all your information where people can find you in the show notes. So uh, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun, buddy, talking to you and uh, it's, uh, it's really inspired me and, and hopefully it's inspired other people to, you know, make a few little changes in their life. And, and uh, it's, uh, again, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay. Take man. care everybody. Talk Cheers. to you later. Bye. You believe that? Wow. I guess it's all worth it.